Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. And somehow we've managed to make an episode where neither Jared nor Zach are present. Uh, welcome back, guys. It's Hunter and I here to talk to you about this week's game. Hunter, how you feeling? I'm doing all right. You know, uh, we worked on this. We, we've worked on the, the road to Innsmouth, and I feel like we came out unscathed for the most part, and we survived the Lovecraftian horrors that chased us in there. So. And then outside of this game, we had Lovecraftian horrors of assignments to handle. Yep. So. Senior thesis. <laughs> yeah, dissertations are fun. Yep. Uh, so, guys, today we're having a fun one to talk to you guys about. It's a hybrid game. We'll talk more specifically about the hybrid aspect of the game as the episode progresses. But, yeah, we're excited to get into this one. So uh, let's go ahead and have a quick ad break and uh, stick around to start off with our likes. Zach. Zach. What's up? Ever since we've gotten back from Boston, you've been spacey and some weird things with your voice have been going on. Okay, I go to get some donkeys and I bang a Yui and you're acting all weird now with me? That's exactly what I'm talking about. All of a sudden you have like this southern Bostonian accent and I don't think that you're aware that you're doing it. I've always talked like this. No, no, you haven't. And okay, let, let's let, let's try something. I'm going to remind you of something that you did before Boston, like ask you a little trivia. Do you remember what the first murder mystery game on the podcast that we did? I remember some game that we did that was about Harvard. Was it about that? No. Okay. You remember anything else? Uh, do you know what state that the murder happened? Yeah, it in? happened in Florida. Oh, are you talking about like the lovely city murder that happened? Yes. Like the killing affairs. That's game? what I'm talking about. But now you're not. Now you're talking normal. Yeah. What do you mean? Okay, uh, tell me what you liked about A Killing Affair. Oh, it's a really great game. It's like a murder mystery. It's episodic. You have to kind of figure out what happened on that day. It's a cold case as well. Um, but over, I think, five or six episodes, you get to complete it. Really fun game. And I know that at akillingaffair.com, they have other games as well. And I think they currently have a Jigsaw one that they just created. So really excited to see that. So you remember all of that. But if I told you maybe that the next game that we were going to play was about the New York Yankees, you would say... Oh, screw the Yankees. Go Sox. Welcome back to Puzzling Company, and we're glad to have you guys here. Today we're going to be talking about, as we said before, The Road to Innsmouth. This one is a gothic horror it's uh, the the actual title is like Arkham Horror, but yes. it's kind of it's kind of the same vein. Yeah, it's a collaboration between the Arkham Horror intellectual property and Hourglass Escapes, which, I mean, great product from both ends, and uh, together they made something quite awesome, I must say. Yeah. So if you love hidden, creepy cults and uh, secret passages, then this game's pretty darn good at that. Yeah, honestly, it, it gave me a bit of Gravity Falls. It did. No, I get the way the secret society aspect came into play. I I really did enjoy all of that, which actually brings us to our first topic. Uh, Hunter, do you want to introduce us to that? We got our great theming in this one. I think this one, honestly, is one of my preferred themings that I've seen in any game we've played. Absolutely, the world really came to life in this one, and I think the hybrid aspect to the game really facilitated that. But Genuinely, I think the theming was just so well implemented. All of the puzzles were very consistent with 
the circumstances you were in. Yeah. They felt very much like you were involved in the story. And, uh, yeah. It's also, me personally, I've read The Call of Cthulhu, which oh, is right. a freaky book, and I quite enjoyed it. It's not, like, my favorite genre, but I always like the semi-realistic while still fantastical kind of stuff. And this, I felt, did a really, really good job at it because it made me feel like, oh, there are secrets and there are people and, like, hidden creepy cultists that are chasing me. And it was it was a really good – it got me in the same mood that reading The Call of Cthulhu did. Yeah, because it's not actively – Horrifying. It's just that there's a lot of unknown, which was kind of Lovecraft's goal with that. Yeah. This is not a literature discussion, of course. No. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's very cool. I love just how everything looms. Like there's yeah. always the audio uh, involved. Always had a very atmospheric quality to it. The ambient noises and music just kind of droning. There's a certain point as you're getting closer to the end where it's a constant descending. Uh, tone, yeah, and it just feels like this impending doom setting in. Really, really well designed there, and it kind of chases you around. There yeah. are there isn't really many points where you like have a uh, have like a, a way to catch your breath or anything right. like that. No, the, it, the pace does continue throughout. It's just constantly like I am in this unknown area and I don't know where I am. And, and there's nobody to help me. My bus driver abandoned me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of niche things about various uh, creatures and stuff you may glance at while running around here, but we'll try not to spoil much of that. I hope you don't have thalassophobia is all I've got to say. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best. <laughs> but it, there are... Also, a lot of depictions of Cthulhu in this, yes. like Cthulhu specifically, which I think was done really well. There can be good depictions and there can be bad depictions. I thought this one made it really, re he made him really grand, yes. which I thought was really, and really good. And it felt like, it felt magnificent, like uh, kind of a horrific magnificence to We're it. We're not glorifying Cthulhu. We just thought he looked cool. No, he cool. is the deep one. He is our lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have Puzzling Company. Do not support Cthulhu. But, you know. Uh, All it, Cthulhus are bad. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, but it, it was just a constant presence that you always felt was there. Right. And it really pushed it to be just a creepy, eerie thing while not necessarily being scary. So if, yeah. you, if you don't like jump scares, I don't think there were really many jump scares in The this. closest thing to a jump scare would be like sudden noises, but if you just have your volume down a little lower, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It never made either of us jump. Not 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 Five Nights at Freddy's level, at least. No, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, nothing, nothing jumps at, out at you or anything like that, even when you fail or some kind of quick time or something like that. Yeah. There, that, there's, so For the most part, it's just like dialogue saying, well, that didn't work, yeah. which I think that's a good way of keeping the tone tense and unnerving, but not introducing too strong of a horror aspect. So although the name suggests this is a, a horror game, it really, it's not going to scare you. It's not going to give you nightmares. Yeah. Unless um, you are really twisted by this kind of stuff. Yeah. But that, that's just a neat caveat. I think some people don't really like jump scares. I'm fine yeah. with it, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it can add to a game, but in this circumstance, it didn't need to, and I enjoyed that yeah. for sure. So then our next, like, this is a bit of, as we might say, a rare W yes. for a game. There is a very specific thing that Hunter and I both have talked extensively about disliking, yep. and somehow this game tricked us into liking it. Yes. I hate, I absolutely despise the reuse of props. Absolutely. And back in uh, the beginning of the year when we did the Great Gotham Challenge, I think the reuse of props was done tolerably, but it was not by any means my favorite aspect to the yeah. game. Uh, Jared insisted it was awesome, and I disagreed with him. It can get so yeah dissolving. Yeah, and it didn't detract from the quality of the game. It's just not something that I'm going to be... It's not like my big bug light that's going to attract me to it, you know? Yeah. But in this game... 
it won me over hard. It did I, the, really well. It it was very well designed and pointed to, signposted even. Like it really just was like, hey, this thing matches this thing that you did earlier. Maybe you gotta reuse it. And then the reuse was purposeful and it felt more we actually have a room that lightly reuses a couple of props mm-hmm. in a very similar way. Hunter might know what I'm talking about. He might not. Um, but it's like my favorite aspect of that room. It's the yes. reason why that room is my favorite. Yes. And it's this, it did the exact same thing in this game practically. And I loved it. I lived for it. Yeah. I thought it did it super, super well because the way that it did it without getting into too much detail is you have like an inventory. It's, it's a lot of moving around and scrolling and clicking. And it's kind of like, what, what was the, what was the term we used? Uh, it, it's, it Please used the telescope, 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 telescope. Format. Yeah, telescape it, format. So when you have that, you have your inventory where you have all your items and that kind of stuff. And whenever you use an item, it's gone. Right. So you just start noticing like, hey, these items are still hanging around. Exactly. And you can you can interact with them. The best thing is that if you equip it and then you go to an interaction screen and then you click the equipped item, if there's somewhere it needs to go in that interaction screen, it will like populate that area yeah. immediately, which that was awesome. Awesome. I really, yes. really thoroughly liked that. And I thought it was really, really good that it just reminded you that this is always here. Like, we're, we're not done with this yet. And there was an aspect where it's like we got a little distracted out of it at times because mm-hmm. you see some of the same symbols start to blur over and that whatnot. Right. And when you have an object and you have something on it you don't understand, you're kind of very, very distracted by that. So to a certain extent, I would say it at least uh, like kind of – not ruin the experience, but lessened it just because I always have this thing in the back of my mind right. where I'm like, I don't know about this, but I'm going to not worry about it until later. Yeah. yeah. But at the end, when everything t- tied together with a beautiful bow, I thought it did it really well. Especially the game ends in a very funny cliffhanger, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so having that be the last thing you do and then it lead into the end was very interesting. And I, I really do want to see if there's any other installments that come of this. Yes, I would be very interested. I would play the next one. We are very, very excited to see what they have next. Yeah. Uh, this is on the record. Jared, Zach, we call dibs on the next one. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, so then our final like, Hunter, would you like to talk about that for us? Our final like for this one is it kept puzzles interesting. What does that mean? That means that it doesn't get boring. <laughs> <laughs> so as puzzle players... I, we, I guess we can get bored. We always, I, I have. It's, it's hard to get bored, but it happens. There are certain puzzles that we have where it's like, you know how it works. It just takes forever. It's like sewing a tunic or something like that. Like you have mm. to go up and down and up and down. Like yeah. you know how it works. You just have to do it for like an hour. And those puzzles we don't particularly like. Yeah. There were a couple that got close in this one where yeah. it's like you have to move things. And with the point and click aspect, it gets really, really tedious and we'll talk about that more later. yeah we'll talk about that later uh, and yeah in those cases i was very tempted to go i know exactly what the puzzle is expecting of me i've solved the puzzle in my mind i just haven't physically solved it i'm very tempted to just get the giveaway and move on yeah it's just it it, it didn't have any of those no no it, it really didn't it, it, there were there were a couple where it was like a little time consuming but not in a annoying way there is not a single puzzle that stuck out as taking the majority of the time there was one that took a little longer and it it was good that it took longer yeah the rest, it was well-paced. And then on top of that, there's, so there's a diversity to the puzzles. Yes. There are multiple kinds. They don't let it get stale. They don't reuse yes. the same concept over and over again. I cannot think off the top of my head of a puzzle style or genre that was reused. Not 
really not, and not obviously yeah if it was there were a couple where like they say yeah. they use the same symbols mm-hmm. and that got a little distracting at times because you yeah. see symbols on an item and you don't know which one it goes to that's actually very true yeah but that was the only time i ever saw that other than that all the puzzles got really unique experiences like i can remember specific ones still and one thing that i want to capitalize on again without spoiling too much there's a certain part uh where there are four essentially paths you have to go through right with the same input system and they could have made that the same for all of them. Right. But instead, they didn't. They made each yeah. of those input systems very unique and very interesting that we can still remember them. Genuinely, that might have been my favorite section of the game. Absolutely. Having those, because on top of that, those unique input systems where you just, the, the input system matches the puzzle, but it's still, each of the puzzles tangentially match each other. Yes. And then they come together in the middle, and then it all comes together in the end. Super impressive. It was really good because at the moment we were like, we have four things to do, and we were like, and we're like, how, which, which order we do them yeah, in, and like, like, we have like all these different branching paths. But you just start solving it, and you're just like, oh, we see how this is gonna go, and then like, boom, and then it like all explodes, and it all, well, it doesn't actually explode, it, or, or, it, or maybe the game it does. is a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, the the everything just comes together, and you're like, wow, like that was awesome. But but you wouldn't have that without all that buildup. Right. Uh, of all those slow Absolutely, individual yeah. puzzles and those input systems for those, they didn't need to go all out, but they did. They didn't need to cook as it, hard as they, they did. They did not need to go this hard. <laughs> but they did. They absolutely <laughs> did. Yeah. So utterly adore all of those things about the game. But we are, in fact, major cheerleaders over here at uh, Puzzling Company. We almost made nationals this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm being facetious. But that is one of my favorite things that Zach says about the show. And so we do have some things that we want to talk about that we call our rooms for improvement. So we do want to start this out first with a caveat. This is not necessarily something that took away from the experience of the game or something that detracted from any quality of it whatsoever for us. Mm -hmm. But it could for other people, so we do want to be clear. There are two versions of the game. There's the standard version, which is entirely Telescape, and then there's a deluxe edition, which is a box that you get with... Uh, kind of like a little panel that has your game code and the website you need to go to. And then you go there, that gives you the telescope, and you have props from the digital space in the physical world that you can interact with to help you solve those puzzles. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. We have specific scheduled time slots for each month, and our first one generally is our tabletop spot. Jared told us, hey, you're on our tabletop game for the month, and handed us a box, and I was like, awesome, tabletop game about Cthulhu. I'm all set. And it was a telescape game. I actually really enjoyed the Telescape game, and I didn't think the game could have worked as well as it did just by looking at the props. So kudos to them for that. But if you have the same expectation that I might have had, you could, you might get disappointed if you're expecting a tabletop game. So just don't go into it expecting that. It's not going to be a new board or anything like that. It's just I think it's a really helpful su- supplement yeah. because there are certain puzzles that if we had to do them entirely digitally, I would have lost my mind because I like uh, tangibility and, and an escape experience and that's what this version provides i think if you like having stuff in front of you having like little toys to mess with and like keys to look at something like that then the deluxe edition is probably going to be better for you just because there's a lot of that any puzzles that like you kind of need to look kind of detailed on this box may have it and it also adds for a lot of 
you know, memorabilia we have. Like, for example, if you go to the uh, Puzzling Company Twitter account that we have, our wallpaper is a literally a wall we have with a bunch of posters and papers and notes and all that kind of stuff from previous games we've played. So we're all about memorabilia here. I, I think that's one of my that, favorite parts that about That plug games. was so smooth. I didn't I know. even comprehend it. was it. like butter. I'm so proud of that. That, that was good, Hunter. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of that one. But you, you should go to our Twitter and check it out. I promise it's up there. Um, <laughs> but this game offers a lot of that. Like, there are some things in here that I would just put on my shelf, and I'd be like, that looks cool. And it's not even necessarily, like, metal or something even like that. It's just like... But there is a metal one, and I'm obsessed with it. I'm a little, like, medallion <laughs> gremlin. Give metal props are so cool. I, I, I think that they're expensive, but they are absolutely the coolest kinds of props. Every time I see one, I go, I want to use that for D&D, and then just snatch it. Yeah. But this but we have to leave it at the office for communal use or whatever. Yeah. So this box here provides just that need, but you do not need it to get the full experience. Absolutely. I think it is a nice bonus. I, I was pleasantly surprised by everything that was in the box because I didn't know what to expect. I just kind of walked into it. Absolutely. Uh, and I saw that and I was like, ooh, cool stuff I can mess with while we're and, playing and the game. And it's fun foreshadowing. It also allows you to pace yourself because of the order that you receive the objects in and stuff. Yeah. And I think it adds the theming a little bit just because you have all these various items and you're like i have like this is a scary image what am i gonna do with yeah. this i don't yeah. i don't know what to do with this, this oh is, absolutely it's this, like oh i don't know if i like where this is going <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be looking at me the whole the whole game it's like it's like <laughs> it's like you open the box and you find a loaded gun you're like what am i gonna use that <laughs> i'm like holy crap that reminds me of that robot chicken skit with the the bop oh it. yeah the bop it gun uh, yeah oh yeah <laughs> but moving on to our next room for improvement and probably our largest with this one in a lot of telescaping games is the mechanics of it. Good lord. So it was... The best comparison I can make is Skyrim. Yes. It's not a bug, it's a feature. It is... I thought at the end of it all, I was okay with all of it because I understood the process. But dealing with it and clicking and trying to drag and all that was very, very frustrating at the time. Yeah, and especially for us, we were trying to... We were playing it on my laptop, and we cast it to our Chromecast. And this is not to the detriment of the game itself. Uh, this is kind of our fault. But there was a delay, so it led to a lot of communication frustrations. Yep. But I can use that to assume if I'm casting to something in the same room, if you are playing the multiplayer version of the game where like one person's in another location and the other person's in charge of the inventory on their screen... That would probably cause the same conflict. Yeah, absolutely. But we we did we only played the single player. We yeah. don't know too much. So we about can't we can't we can't directly attest to that. But yes, but this there were just so many instances where we did not know what to do or what we could do. To be very clear, uh, we're stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that that's the first thing. Yeah. We always have that as a caveat. Uh, second off. Uh, there are specific mechanics you learn at the beginning of the game. There's like this tutorial panel and you can always go back to that tutorial panel and it tells you without spoiling anything, specific ways to interact with areas, to move, to do stuff. And that's it. And it makes it seem, okay, this game is going to be super simple. And without spoiling anything, the game opens up in a sequence where you can't move. Yeah. And so you have to solve the first puzzle and I think that was one of the longest sections for us because we're like, uh, we have to be able to move. We have to be able to do something. We just didn't understand <laughs> anything. Especially because like one of the things you can't like pick it up. Yeah. You had to like, so yeah, that was one thing. Second thing, I don't remember this. We might just be dumb. Yeah. But in the tutorial section, it did not talk about the difference between shiny starbursted objects yeah. and highlighted objects. So to go ahead and clarify, 
-hmm. shiny starbursted objects. You click on that, that sends you to the interaction screen. As long as it is shiny, you need to keep interacting with it. The star, the 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 highlighted yes. ones. God, I'm tripping over my own words. An indication of my intelligence. Yeah. Um, the highlighted ones are items you can just click and pick up, and that never happened until about halfway through the game and we're like we can't we can't interact with anything and then everything we clicked on just started showing up in our inventory and we we're like yeah. oh it was a weird i almost want to say a culture <laughs> shock of like a different different yeah it way felt of like solving puzzles. it felt like at that section of the game the game changed its style yeah. which is fine like i really did enjoy that new way of interacting with objects I just wish it was clearer. I wish I knew I could do that. I wish I wasted less time on solving. Yeah, I that. thought it, I thought it was neat that it's like, oh, this is like a different vision. So you know you have to do something different with this. Yeah. Because I, I don't mind the highlighting and picking it up. It's just you don't know it's highlighted until you mass over it. Yeah. So then it becomes an I Spy game, which some people might have not sp uh, signed up for. Right. And then you, wh what we ended up having to do is I just would scan my mouse across, and he would just tell me to click. Yeah. It, it was it was a little different and it was different pacing i don't think it was necessarily bad it just should have been more clear and to be entirely fair one of our favorite things about the game was the game's themes and the atmosphere and that did add to the atmosphere if you're in that world you have no idea what you can interact with what you can't interact yeah. with. so having to search makes sense it's just i i didn't think it was fully necessary to not really explain that super well but again we might just not have paid attention during the tutorial panels that's very very possible um so then there's also, without spoiling anything, oh, I have to be careful about this one. Yeah, it's a bit, of, got, a, it's a bit of eggshells. There, certain at certain points, things just do stuff you don't expect them to. Mm -hmm. um, and in your inventory, sometimes things look a lot bigger or smaller than they actually are. And so there are slots that are like, oh, this fits perfectly, and then it doesn't fit. And, yeah. you're just, and you're like, how do I find an object that is identical to this one without... Oh, God. <laughs> it, it's, it's just hard because you're not actually in there, but you are supposed to actually be in there yeah and it's, and it's hard to envision things such as that in order to like oh i got this statue I, I i think it's like a little handheld statue and then it's like oh it's actually like like seven feet tall and you have to place it in something that can get how a is little, it in my backpack yeah, yeah it's, it's <laughs> the thing of like how am i holding this and i don't really know what ratio i'm supposed to put this on the wall or something like exactly. that exactly and that can get a little wishy-washy mm -hmm. and they can get really confusing as to what you're supposed to do because you're like oh i have this little thing it should fit in this hole but it absolutely isn't that makes no sense but right. it's the same shape but it's i that can happen in yeah. this game unfortunately and on a similar note when it comes to clarity there's something about the pacing and the story of the game we otherwise adored everything about the story the pacing yes. the atmosphere but there's one aspect that was almost humorous uh, was especially tough. considering our real life circumstances and that is the story since they're not trying to make a full-blown horror game it has a bit of low stakes at times uh so if somebody's on the other side of a door and they're trying to get in they might gently try to open the door instead of breaking it down yeah right stuff like that where in a lot of games you where there's like that quick time or like timed experience what they do is if you run out of time it goes oh no i failed and then it fades and then it fades back in yeah. and now you you have to try the task over and you have to go between each attempt trying to piece together how the puzzle works until you eventually solve it correctly i think that would have worked well in that section other people might disagree timed sections can be frustrating yeah um it just felt like oh this game is unnerving and then i'm in this situation where this this guy is trying to get in and it's not 
it's it's not feeling that urgent. Yeah, my my big issue. Wait, it, sorry, I just remembered there, the the section I'm talking about, the section before that, there were really high stakes. Like if you did it wrong, you would be punished for it. Yeah. 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 No, so you're it's, right. it's not right. consistent right. throughout the game. That that is that is an inconsistent. We just we just we just we just had a light bulb. Yeah, a little <laughs> epiphany for that. Um, but that's fair. So there's a sense of inconsistency there. But for me personally, the part that frustrates me most is I love the tense situations. I love the thing where it, like it switches your gameplay and you have to like run away and it's like 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 the Lego games where you're running away from it's, the boulder and yes. Jones and then like oh this is different than what I'm used to but I can still figure it out. Right. With that like there there's punishment and whatnot but for for situations such as this it's like oh something's about to happen like you don't know how much time you have but you have just enough time to solve this tedious puzzle and then move these puzzle pieces over and then you can you can sign your name and then you can put these things in the right places <laughs> and, and you can dot your eyes yeah cross and, your and then it feels like go oh, for a stroll it feels like it's so difficult to have a high stick situation with puzzles that take time and i think also the telescape experience just feels like i'm playing a Halloween edition of Google Earth. Yeah. And so <laughs> it just creates a bit of a tonal dissonance that's there. A, that's actually a fair statement. <laughs> but there are certain games, um, there like like there's a game, I think it's uh, Operation Tango or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a two-player game. They work together, yes. that kind of thing. Very, very fun. I, I did it with a friend of mine. Um, but there are situations in that where you have puzzles, but you just have a limited time for it. Yep. But the puzzles are like, oh, teammate says something, you click it. Teammate says something, you click it. And it's like fast well, pace. Even then, with the longer difficulty, with the higher difficulty and the longer term puzzles, separate them into stages. Yeah. W- is what you can do. Is like, And then you can build tension with you, that. So, okay, you have this much time to, to like put this piece in this spot. Okay, good job. This much time to do this thing in this spot. And again, this is probably an unpopular take. We might be t- having some hot takes here. Absolutely. Uh, and if you think so, let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of our other socials. We'd love to argue with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fun. But yeah, no, seriously, that's th- that's just something that we feel about the game. And overall, I, I adored this experience. I, I thought really it was did. really, really cute. And cute's a word for a cute, Cthulhu I, game. I, I, well, I like Cthulhu. <laughs> not well. No, I don't like. I like the. I thought you just said we're against. Cthulhu. I know. I like the Lovecraftian stories, and I thought this one did it really, really well. And it was just a <laughs> neat little experience. No, I, I really did enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I think that wraps up our first section of the show. And uh, so we're gonna take a quick ad break, and we'll be zooming right on back with our puzzle to the people game talk section, and uh, that'll be the rest of our episode. So. See you then. Just one moment. Jared, how do they do it? How do they do what, man? Scarlet Envelope every month sends me a new game with a new story and new formatting, but it all works so well. Dude, I know. It's like one month I'm catching a serial killer in the 50s. Right? But then when another one we had to stop the second galaxy war. I know. And then the next month I'm trying to rescue a dragon in the medieval kingdom. It's just crazy that every month they keep sending out a new game that also leads up to like this crazy secret society element. It's it's a gift. I don't know how they do it. But here's what I do know. If you want to go to scarletenvelope.com and use code PUZZLINGCOMPANY, all one word, you can get $10 off their catch-up bundle, which is a full set of 13 games. Or you could just sign up monthly and journey with it. They're so fun. I'm so excited for the next one. I can't wait. 
Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. Uh, that is the intro, but this is the intro to the game show. Intro within an intro, introspection. Yeah, introspection right there. And then this is going to be the next final part of our show here is going to be our game talk. And the one we've chosen for today is pretty special, uh, as in special editions of games. Whoa, so, segue! Yes, cool segue there. We're going to be talking about games and standard edition versus deluxe edition. Now, just a little caveat for this. Matthew and I have plenty of personal experience with this, and it's like very varied. And I have more video game deluxe edition experience, and he has more board games, like uh, different expansions for different packs and whatnot. Uh, but... This is different from each other, and this is also very different from the old flavors, which we don't have here today. So this is this is our particular view on this. May they rest in peace. May they rest in peace. After what we did to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> weird confession. Um, but this is just our, our, our views on this and, and what we see as standard and deluxe and what we have seen works. So for this one, the largest part is there are different things you can have deluxe editions for. Like you can Absolutely. have you can have it for board games or you could have it for video games or some hybrid games. The one I'm most familiar with is uh, digital games or right. not digital games, video games. Holy crap! They Same also yeah they all sound so similar. Um, but there's like 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 the new Call of Duty like Advanced Warfare has like the the standard edition and like the silver edition and the gold yeah, edition. It, it reminds me of how Skyrim's been remastered four times, but none of the features have changed even slightly. But the price has gone up twenty dollars every time. Yeah, Skyrim is actually a really good example of <laughs> games which have a bunch of different That's editions. Todd Howard, right? Todd Howard. Todd Howard is a guy for sure. <laughs> Todd Howard is an interesting individual. <laughs> Todd Howard, if you're listening, you're a guy. You are a fella. Um, but there are just so many different instances that standard and deluxe edition can be used. And I think it might honestly be best in board games, at least from what I've seen. It, it depends. So the thing about board games is instead of it going, okay, good job. You completed the base game and finished the main story. Would you like to move on to the DLC world? Instead of it's, you're integrating it. So for in, ex instance, for like our less... Uh, board gamey listeners, we've got Cards Against Humanity, yep. shameful mention, mm. where you have to buy like a million expansions for the game to be worth it because if you play the base game only, you just hate the game. Um, so you, but it, it, the way it works, you don't go through the base deck and go, congratulations, you've unlocked the expansion deck. Yeah. Would you like to add the expansions? Instead, it's cards that are shuffled in. Same thing goes on with D&D where you buy Xanathar's Guide, you buy Tasha's, you buy... Uh, stuff like that, and they are expanded rules, optional concepts that you can pick and choose to add into your game. Or an example that became very popular with our workspace, a game called Seven Wonders, which is a card drafting game, very similar concept. If you get the Cities expansion, you're just mixing a new colored of card into the draft packs in order to choose them. And in that case, I actually love the expansion way more than the base game. But... It's terrible for teaching people how to play. Yes. And the same thing happens with D&D, &D, where if I introduce a Xanathar's rule that just doesn't make the game more intuitive, like a new subclass, it overwhelms new players, adding all these new options. Uh, so I usually stick to the base game for the first couple sessions, teaching them how to play, and then I add rules as we go along. Then uh, a very widespread game with uh, Settlers or Settlers of Catan, yep. Catan, however you want to say it, um, they have all these expansions. I would hate to learn how to play the game with the expansions and honestly every time i think about the first time i played that game when i was like 
eight and all my older cousins in New Jersey are yelling at me to figure out how to play the game. Terrifying experience. And I would hate to add like the ports in the cities on top of that. So you're scared of Settlers of Catan? I I'm terrified. (laughs) Yes. I, Um, I, my experience with that game is I've always enjoyed the standard edition. I just don't, there, there hasn't been a time where, like, I look at the expanded and I'm like, I need that. It's more so yeah. like, eh. I, I'm playing the game. I'm like, this game is a classic strategy game. And I never go, this game needs to be more complicated. It's like, for those who are really into, like, the big uh, strategy games, a similar game to Settlers, but a more, I'm going to say masochistic version, is Scythe. We have to read a and d sized rule book to learn how to play it. And I absolutely adored when I played it and somebody was telling me the rules the whole time. But when I had to play it on my own without the tra- training wheels, that game is very overwhelming. And there are expansions on top of that. There's a certain point where it just spirals outward and gets excessive. And then you turn into the next D&D. And then it turns into the next D&D. Because D&D, if you know everything about D&D, that's like a library's worth of knowledge and books and rules and If you know everything about D&D, you're a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Because 90% of it you make up anyways. Yeah, exactly. And And then... An example of something we talked about on the show, uh, speaking of how I'm terrified of uh, Settlers and Scythe, uh, those games really sent shivers down my spine. Segway. See, I'm learning from you, Hunter. Yeah, I'm doing my best. Um, so the shivers, uh, I loved that game, and we played a deluxe version of it that had new episodes and series to it. And that is way more comparable to video games because it's not content you mix in. It's not new rules. It is, hey, you love the base game so much, Let's go to the next episodes. Let's expand the world. Yeah. And it that's what inspired me to say, I want to use this in my D&D world because there are a bunch of new locations I can mix and match. Um, we did not play all of those for the show, but we, uh, I touched some of them after and absolutely adore that expansion. Yep. I would even go so far as to say that you're not exactly getting the full worth of the game without those expansions. So I'm going to swing it over to you because you have a lot more experience with full video games. Video games are a lot more similar to the Shivers in the regard that it is not mixed in uh, other than some collectibles that you might get over time, like a Nintendo shirt in Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yes. Most of the time, it adds to the world. It makes a bigger map. It allows you to keep playing after the main story is done. So, Hunter, what what's it like? What are some of your favorite examples? What are some of your, the weaker examples in your opinion? What, what, what strengths do they have? For board games, you add it to the game that has already been made. So it's more like adding cards to a deck, making things more complicated. Right. And then as you, the shivers is a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, that's like additional content, right? And it's like a different thing. You don't you don't shuffle it into what happened already. Video games are much more additional content based nine times out of ten. Gotcha. Though there are some single player games I have played, which is just like, oh, if you pre-order it or like get the deluxe edition, you get like this digital soundtrack or you get this art book that we have. And it's really, really cool. But those are typically meant if you were like a diehard fan of the series. Exactly. So for some, for example, my favorite game of all time, The Witcher 3, uh, that one, the complete edition, I, I think it's called the complete edition. It is the base game with the two DLCs it has, and that is it. I think that is great because that has everything you could want to have about that game. Hmm. And so it weaves in and really well. Like I, of course, it'd be cool if I had like, you know, the the soundtrack or whatever downloaded or some kind of book for that. But with what it is sold at, like that is, that is, it's made so cheap recently. Right. And it's, it's everything. You don't have to buy everything separately. That's very interesting. I think that is the best way I've ever seen it done. So is that like the bundling format? So like, for instance, correct me if I'm wrong, 
because my memory is distant, but I grew up playing the Lego various intellectual property games, especially Lego Star Wars, right? Originally, you could buy episodes four through six and one, two, three separately, or you could pay the full bundle to get one through six in order, and it was cheaper to get that bundle. Was it like the complete saga? Is that yeah, what the complete about? saga. I I think, I think it's kind of comparable to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, with the complete saga, you don't get a T-shirt. You don't get yeah a soundtrack. Yeah, because it's like with The Witcher, there's just so much that the extra stuff already adds. It's it's it feel like inefficient to just buy the standard game at that point. Because it would feel like you are robbing yourself of certain experiences, which are added on super well to that. What that immediately makes me think of is the crazy Omega uh, deluxe version of Call of Duty Three, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Three, that comes with a mini fridge. Yes, I remember that. So, what was the deal with that? I did no I research on that. that. I just vaguely remember somebody talking about it back at the rooms. Yes. So, I think it was Black Ops Three that did. It. Yes, it was Black Ops Three. So, if you pre-ordered it, like the Max Edition or whatever, you yeah. got a Juggernog mini fridge. <laughs> what? That can fit like I think like a six pack. I think it, it, it's small, but it's in the style of one of the zombies games. It's one of the per it's juggernaut it's like a, it's like a like a coke machine from the 50s or what something. what was the what was the price for that do you remember i do not recall i think it was over a hundred dollars i mean yeah in, in addition to everything else you get though i really wanted it i i actually am really sad that i don't have actually it, it was around a hundred dollars when it came out apparently i wish i was not poor then that is <laughs> that is bonkers that, that I, was, I might be looking at the wrong price there but wow that to me that sounds excessive i would never pay that much to get a mini fridge with a game but for me, since I'm a diehard, exactly. I would love that. So that that ties into that pretty well, you would say. Yeah, and, and, and in addition, with the diehardness, I am a massive fan of the God of War series. Right. I've platinumed most of them. And in the recent one that came out in 2022, I ordered the Deluxe Edition, which, all things considered, doesn't add a lot more. And I have not used a lot of what it does add more. It gives you, like, a couple extra skins, and then it also gives you, like, a digital art book and a digital soundtrack but when it comes to that that is an opportunity to support a creator a property that you enjoy yeah that's i i see the value in that yeah and the way that i see the value in that is through the one video game that i play frequently uh i'm not gonna name it because hunter's gonna beat me up (laughs) after this episode if i do Uh but uh i've been waiting on that dlc for forever it's free and the reason why it keeps taking so long is because the creator keeps going, hey, guys, you want more content? And then we don't respond. And he goes, okay, you're getting more content whether you like it or not. And it takes another year. Um, and I, I would pay for that. I paid for the soundtrack. Even though that I have Apple Music, uh, we're, not, we're not sponsored, I promise. <laughs> but even though I have Apple Music, I can stream it endlessly on any platform that I desire. And I can play the game and just listen to the soundtrack as I play. I bought the digital soundtrack on Steam and imported it to my library so that they would get the most money out of that possible because it's an, an indie developer that I really support and it's a game that I really love. But so, you don't need that to get the full experience. Exactly. So I, I understand. A lot of people would probably go, Matthew, why are you wasting your time with that? Yeah, and, and, and let me preface something I said earlier. You, If you just get the standard edition for The Witcher 3, you're not... It, you're not draining from the standard experience. Right. So don't feel like you you are missing something, but it's not necessarily to get the best part of the game, I suppose. But in addition to that, there are pre-order bonuses that can end very, very poorly. 
For example, I unfortunately pre-ordered the game Fallout 76. A common, a common so- sad, sad tale. I was excited for it. I liked Fallout 4, and I wanted to play it with my friends. And then uh, most of our viewers, I'm sure, saw how that went. Uh, it kind of crashed and burned. The they just didn't anticipate the traffic that yeah, they received. There, there was a lot of issues. It was still the, the buggy Bethesda system. Oh and Lord. it was still... Uh, it, it wasn't as multiplayer, and my big issue is I can never find ammo. <laughs> that, oh. that was always my biggest complaint. So it, it just kind of died out, and I think initially there was also not a lot of content going into it. There, there was a lot of problems So with I'm it. not super familiar with the difference between Fallout 76 and their other games. Um, what, what Was it like a... Was it an attempt at doing like a mass multiplayer format? It, w- it wasn't an MMO. It was more so like... Fallout 4 has is a single player. Right. You're running around the wasteland in Boston, exactly. and you're doing your thing with a bunch of NPCs. Mm-hmm. With this, it's essentially the same thing in the West Virginia mountains, and there's essentially just a bunch of other people doing the same thing. Is it like Red Dead Online? What is it most It's comparable. comparable to? I, okay. I, I think it's comparable to Red Dead Online, okay. not GTA Online. No, I know GTA Online's its own that, that's anarchy all. Minecraft server. Yeah, that, but I think it's comparable to that because you're kind of like, you can run around, do your own missions, you can team up, but it doesn't mean super too much. That's, that's if you strange. Wa- if you want to play by yourself, play Fallout 4. But if you want to try and play with your friends, I guess play 76. <laughs> wow, that was pathetic the I, way you put that. Yeah, I, I've heard <laughs> it's gotten better, but I have not touched it since. So, in I, general... How do you feel about the marketing of these deluxe editions and like putting that much stress on those and with anticipation with releases and stuff? I don't think it's that bad as long as you're smart with it. As long as you like anticipate the fact that, oh, maybe if I market this better, more people are going to play the game. Yeah. Like yeah. whenever I pre-ordered God of War, I was, I, there was a part of me that was scared. I was like, oh, what if it sucks? And I really regret doing this because I already had Fallout 76 break my heart. Exactly. So I, I, there was a sense of like, I'm a little worried about that, but I love the series. I, I have enough faith in the series that I, I trust it to be decent. And I was proved right. One of my favorite games. Uh, and with that, you just need to know whatever you're getting it from. Right. Like, I should have thought that it was Bethesda. <laughs> I should have <laughs> realized it was Bethesda. Bethesda versus an absolutely magnificent intellectual property yeah, Santa that Monica. can never, ever be paralleled. Wow. Uh, yeah. I it, it is, you have to be smart with it. And I don't think... In my to my knowledge, there's been like many developers abusing their users, trusting them. I think it's it's just like, hey, here's the standard edition. You want the cheapest version? That's the cheapest version. We got that for you. But if you want to support us, if you want extra content, if you want the DLC, if you th- want this cool skin, or for some games, if you want like a little bonus cash at the start, get this deluxe edition. And they always have that option. I don't I don't think it's ever detrimental to the user or the buyer. So so that actually posits something very interesting about the long-term benefits or value of a deluxe or premium version of a game. 500 coins versus 500 additional hours is the way we put it in our notes. Sometimes a deluxe edition will give you just a little bit of bonus cash, as you said. Yes. And it will be the same price as a DLC or deluxe edition that gives you hours upon hours of new content that you can delve into. Yes. Do you have any experience with uh, games that do either and like how, how, how have they compared? How is your perspective on the game compared? So I used to play some of the Elder Scrolls online, mm-hmm. which had a lot of that since it's an MMO. Uh, there was a, there was, there are certain bundles you can get with that. You can get the Somerset bundle, uh, which I got, or you could get like the the super special deluxe edition Somerset Ultra bundle, Mega, Ultra super Mega. Set. But the thing is, the only difference between that is like the amount of gold, or like you might get a horse off of that. 
but it doesn't really carry over as worth that much value. Yeah. When, for example, I think I'm thinking of Breath of the Wild. Whenever you have that, and the expansion is like a whole secondary it, story. It adds. That was that DLC changed my perspective on gaming because if I played that base game, I'd have been like, "Wow, that was a pretty neat open world game." Nintendo got a caught a dub for yeah. once, in my opinion. And then um, I play the expansions with the sword trials, which adds this whole, it adds a survival mini game, which I am absolutely in love with, which forces you to fight and learn how to use the mechanics you've learned over the course of the game to prove yourself, to get an item that completely transforms the way the game functions. Yeah. And then on top of that, you can go around doing super ultra mega shrines to get a glorified motorbike. Yeah. Which, honestly, as much as I sound like I'm being upset about that, I rode that motorbike until the wheels fell off. Yeah. That, that, I, I thought that was the funniest thing. It was like, in the DLC, uh, <laughs> Link gets a freaking Harley Davidson and he drives <laughs> around Hyrule. It's, it's like, harness your final opportunity to control your own divine beast and it's it's a, it's a it's a bike with a horse head like <laughs> pop a wheelie do it. <laughs> it, it it it's awesome yeah i i loved it so much the, but yeah th- that game i put probably 200 to maybe 250 hours into easily and i could have taken longer if i wanted to do all the side quests and the side quests weren't even all that repetitive like that's a big bonus so that's a thing i just i really want gamers to keep in mind whenever they're buying these things is that are you really going to get like like five or ten dollars worth of that extra cash or in like a, a horse skin that will not give you anything extra than you're already buying or would you rather spend that on something that's going to give you like a whole <laughs> different perspective on life yeah like, like you really have to think about how much that dlc means to you and i i mean i'm not judging anyone for buying like the I, extra five dollars yeah or whatever. and i think people jump on the hype they play the game they see how little difference the premium version got them in that case yeah and then that ruins the game for them. And that's a terrible perspective. If you spend a little too much money, that's fine, right? Yeah. Like you Shame be, on you, you but You can be a little care. peeved, but like, come on. That does not detract from the entire quality of the game. Did you get duped a little bit by the marketing department? That's their job. Yeah. But like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Just look out for stuff that's going to have more content. Look at what they're advertising. And so, as we near the end of this episode, let's tie it all together. How does this relate to the version we played? And what can we apply to hybrid games in general? So the game we played, there was a standard and a deluxe edition. We had the deluxe edition, but with that wasn't an excess amount of extra content. The closest thing to extra content that I was able to detect was in the hint system. It goes, if you have the deluxe edition, you can use this physical prop that you have. And because we clicked on the deluxe edition thing, it says, yeah, you have the deluxe edition. If you want to use the in-game prop, like a plebeian, because you're too bad at being dexterous enough to solve this. Getting that dough. Then, uh, sucks. Uh, go over to the little corner over there and think about what you've done and then click this button and it'll work. (laughs) It was a strange... I liked it. I liked all the neat little things we got. But it it just wasn't super applicable. I think... And it wasn't super expansion. I think with all the categories of expansion and downloadable content and content bonus content that you can get this falls under the collectibles kind of thing like the same thing of getting a mini fridge 
yeah. a bonus soundtrack. It's, yeah. Uh, the director's cut commentary, yeah. three extra songs, stuff like that. We got collectibles, and I, I adore collectibles, yeah. and I love having tangible props when I'm solving yeah. stuff. Um, I think I would have gone insane playing that game, trying to figure out how to use the mouse for all of it. The props were helpful towards some puzzles. Especially like because there, there are certain instances where you have to have one tab open, and then you would have to close that tab, interact with the object, close the object tab, open up the new tab and do that back and forth for a while. Yeah. So having the props in front of us, we were much easier it was much easier for us to like take a picture of the prop or something like that and go, okay, that's how this works. But and apply that. There is to any buyers of this game, which I think you should. Very fun game. Definitely recommend for you guys. And from what I saw, I think it's only about I'm gonna say somewhere between ten and twenty five dollars more to get the physical props. Yeah. Which are well made. And I don't know, you get to say that you I, we got it from backing the Kickstarter. I yeah. know that much. Yeah. So I don't know how much value we got out of it. Probably a pretty good deal. But for other people, it's just a way to support a property. Yeah. Our glass escapes, they're amazing over there. And I really enjoyed the game. And I think that because we already went into this excited about the game, the deluxe edition was totally worth it for yeah. the puzzle. Want to help them out, help them out. I think it's definitely worth it. So uh, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about with... Uh, Deluxe editions, premium versions, anything you think we didn't? I think we've got through the most of it. Just be careful, buyers out there. <laughs> buyers beware. And uh, Caveat emptor, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I'm looking at our timestamps. We are just better than the old <laughs> flavor. Because they're like, well, now that we cut that old that third section out, you know, that'll be on Patreon only. Look at us supporting our free listeners yep. so well giving this much content they probably clicked off 20 minutes ago yeah. um, but if you're still here hi guys it's <laughs> hunter matthew your social media dudes and uh of course keep following keep subscribing be on the lookout for video content coming yep. soon we are getting that set up in our office as we speak we are looking into all of the best ways to lay that out if you have any input any suggestions please let us know and of course Go over to Patreon, look up Puzzling Company, find us over there, and if you pledge to the one and only tier of $10, you gain access to our spoiler club. And coming up, unfortunately, we we were actually barred from doing a spoiler talk for this episode, which is why we were so tempted to spoil the game at yeah. so many twists and turns here. But what's even better is that Jared and perhaps uh, some others over here at the company are going to be interviewing the creators of this game, which I... I'm so excited to get some interviews in, and we're looking into potentially getting an interview with the creator of The Shivers, which I absolutely want to be part of. Yeah. I adore that game. So, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of wonderful stuff on the horizon. So if you please keep supporting us, keep helping us be able to buy a new table. This table is not camera ready. <laughs> um, we'll keep on pumping out content. And, uh, yeah, so that's Puzzling Company signing off. All right, see you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. <laughs>